Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. I'd like to quote something that's uh, going around online. I've absorbed so much soap and sanitizer that when I pee, it cleans the toilet. Oh, that would be convenient. That's a pretty picture, Arch. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. Hello, friends. This is Lou Katz. Welcome to our podcast that keeps you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. And it's certain like to be up. Yeah, and, and it certainly is changing. Please welcome from her Purell-soaked family room that I can smell at least six miles away from Vulture and WTOP Radio. Let's give it up for Jen Cheney. Yes, you're swimming in Purell here. <laughs> and let's not forget, please, barricaded inside his condo, Located at the corner of Go Away and Get Off the Condo Lawn. <laughs> Can't you read the signs? It's Mr. Arch Campbell. Yes, we're watering the flowers with Purell. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Hi, Lou, and hi, Jen. And, uh, you know, I was thinking this morning, I used to love to look forward to whatever the next big movie release was, and I loved looking forward to going to uh, whatever theater I was going to go to. And now I've completely switched to uh, streaming and cable, and I am finding things that I just think are fascinating. So I love these conversations because... I can always start by asking Jen, what's new this week? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's new this week. It's a movie on HBO that airs um, this Saturday night. Uh, It's called Bad Education. I've noticed the trailers for it, and it's got my attention. Yeah, Hugh Jackman is in it, uh, as well as Allison Janney. And it's based on a true story. As a matter of fact, it's um, adapted based on a New York Magazine story about a superintendent at schools in Long Island uh, named Frank Tassone, who's who, that's who Hugh Jackman plays, has brought the you know, the school's up to a much higher standard. They're fourth in the state. Everybody thinks he's doing a great job and he seems like a wonderful guy. But as the movie goes on, you start to realize he's not as wonderful as he seems. And there's some shady stuff going on in the school system. Uh, And I won't reveal for those who don't know that story, what it is, because the film takes a lot of twists and it's interesting to watch blind if that's possible. But uh, both Jackman and Janney are just terrific in it. Really, really great. Is this sort of another true crime procedure? Um, no, I wouldn't say it's a true crime. I mean, there are definitely crimes involved, mm-hmm. um, but it almost feels like more of a character study of, you know, who is this guy and also, and, and Janie who works with him in the school system. And it, it just, it, it keeps surprising you. And there's also a, <laughs> the true crime part of it, I guess, is that there's a journalist, a young journalist, a high school student who breaks the story open in the high school paper, which is really great. It seems to me like I remember uh, reading about this. Yeah, there was a lot of the high school student part yeah there was a lot of coverage of this when it happened a few years back but uh I had only vague recollections of what it was. So watching the movie was was hearing the story all over again for me. So that's uh, Saturday night on HBO? Yes, sir. Okay. So you've got a couple other things uh, coming down the pipe that uh, have your attention. Yeah. Well, this actually, this aired earlier this week on um, CBS, but it's on demand and on CBS All Access, if you have it, the uh, Grammys tribute to Prince, um, mm. which aired on the fourth yeah. anniversary of his death. 
it's really like an all-star tribute to him with tons of different artists doing his music. Um, her, Gary Clark Jr., Beck, uh, certainly The Revolution, Maya Rudolph hosts it. Mm. And it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of artists have been doing, you know, concerts online since the pandemic began. And there was that big One World special that aired last weekend on every network. Right. Yeah. But, you know, of course, in this situation, everybody has to be doing their music in isolation from their homes. You can't even have the members of a band in one place, as we saw when the Rolling Stones basically did a Zoom performance of You Can't Always Get What You Want, featuring air drums by Charlie Watts. So because this was recorded back in January, like two days after the first case in California had been confirmed, it still feels like a real live show, but it's new to us because we've never seen it before. So it, it just has a sense of fun and joy that I think is really hard to replicate when you're just, you know, performing by yourself. You know, speaking of that, I'm beginning to worry about the pipeline, about the material that's coming down the pipe. And when are they going to, you know, when is that going to end? I, I wonder how much stuff they've got in reserve. Just they, you know, the great, <laughs> the great <laughs> sucking machine of uh, Hollywood entertainment. Well, I, I know that right now, um, one of my colleagues, Joe Adalian, wrote a story about this, that people are pitching like crazy um, mm. new ideas because because, you know, they've got time now to write because nobody can shoot anything and time now to, to kind of come up with new concepts. But I feel like there's going to be a point where there's maybe more of a dip. There's going to be points where it's like the, the, the pipeline is extremely clogged and then it's a little lighter for a while and then it's yeah. going to be clogged again. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, right now, I, just from my perspective, obviously movies have stopped, but there's no lag in television at all. Uh, and, you know, you, you talked about the uh, One World special and last week we were talking about the Saturday Night at Home, Saturday Night Live at Home special. Right. I have a feeling that people are going to get tired of the, of the rudimentary uh, technology, you know, that they're going to want the big productions again. I, I, what'd you think of the of the Saturday night special, or the one world special? Uh, I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, I think, you know, just what I said before, you can't really truly replicate the feeling of, of a real live performance no. and have people interacting with each other. It's the same issue that Saturday Night Live had. Um, and obviously there's nothing that people can do about that right now. You know, I thought some of the performances were nice, but you, you tend to hear because of the, the somberness of this, a lot of ballads, you know, mm. piano ballads or acoustic guitar, again, because you're they're by themselves, that's the easiest thing to do. So you don't have a lot of rock and roll or things like that, like really upbeat numbers coming out of a, <laughs> a concert like that. Uh, now, I'm going to say cool. something and it's going to sound harsher than I intended, but I was watching and uh, Jennifer Lopez <laughs> came <laughs> on. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> I love that. We're getting reaction from our studio audience. I didn't know we added a fourth uh, fourth individual here to the podcast. All right. Well, this is Hound Radio, you know. <laughs> That's the spokesman. Now, so I'm glad that happened because it lightens the mood. I was watching uh, The One World and Jennifer Lopez came on, whom I think is terrific. And uh, she started singing People. And yeah. that's when I cut it off. Yeah, I wasn't sure if she was actually I'm, singing that live, honestly. Uh, I, you know, I, it's, 
What can I say? And what's the deal with the Beastie Boys movie? Well, I actually think I'll be able to talk more about that next week. I didn't have a chance okay. to watch it before All right. we met, but it is it is dropping on Apple TV Plus uh, this Friday, and it's really a look back at their whole career, uh, directed by Spike Jones, Walt Whitman High School graduate Spike Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who you know before he was a movie director, he did music videos, including videos for the Beastie Boys. I used um, to know his real name. I've forgotten it now. Yeah, me too. I can't think of it right now either. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, hopefully we can talk more about that next week because I'm looking forward to watching that. This week, there were two huge finales and uh, uh, at least season finales. And one was the season finale of Better Call Saul. And I'd like to talk about it for a minute. And uh, knowing that we can't give away a lot of the details uh, and we don't want to, we don't want to spoil it for anybody. But uh, during this season, I think you and I both agreed that Better Call Saul was the uh, best series on television. I was a little flummoxed or, you know, I felt like I'd been faked by the, the season finale. I was sort of expecting something other than what happened. Hmm. Okay. Because I've been worried about uh, Ree Seahorn, uh, Kim Wexler all this time. And uh, so I felt like I was being set up for that. And I'm giving away something here, but she seems to be doing fine. So you were you were prepared for her to be in more imminent danger. Well, so many uh, really good series will knock off a character that, you know, you almost come to uh, expect it. I think what they did is they set... They set all the pieces in motion for the last season, which is the next one they're doing, mm-hmm. to be a very tense and and uh, high stakes situation. So, not that you're wishing ill on Kim Wexler, no, but, I, but, no. but I have a feeling that her, uh, her her worst days are ahead of her at this point. Although Ree Seahorn really is widely discussed as uh, worthy of the Emmy this year. Oh, I, I mean, I think she's been worthy of one before this. But yeah, to me, I, I wrote a big piece about the finale and specifically about her character. Mm-hmm. And without, again, without spoiling it for those who haven't seen yeah. it, the things that happen to her character and the decisions that she makes they sort of flip your notion of what the show is about completely on its head in a really, I think, smart way that is um, kind of redefining what an anti-hero drama is supposed to be and what our expectations of it are supposed to be. So I think I hear you telling me that I just need to embrace the surprise. I mean, sure. <laughs> Go with it. <laughs> I do. I really have enjoyed uh, watching this actor, Tony Dalton, who plays uh, Tuco Salamanca. Mm-hmm. who really is a uh, psychotic, <laughs> somebody you really don't want to cross. Right. I, yeah. I think he's, a lot of his work has been uh, in Mexico, uh, and that's why he's kind of new to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, you know, the on Better Call Saul for a lot of the, a lot of its run, not all of it, it's felt like, you know, there's the cartel storyline, and then mm-hmm. there's whatever's going on yeah. with yeah. Jimmy and Kim. And slowly those things have converged. And now, like, especially in this finale, you see where those two things are now completely intertwined. And one thing, whatever's going on on this side is going to completely affect what's going on on this side. I wonder how far along they are with the final season of Better Call Saul, which is going back to the pipeline question. They were starting the writer's room. Gosh, it, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're continuing to do it virtually, but it's unclear when 
they'll be able to go back into production. Obviously, nobody knows at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up airing a little later than we're accustomed to. What's your guess? A year and a half, couple of years? I hope it's not a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing stopping them from being able to write it. It's just they're going to get to a point where they can't, you know. Yeah. They're going to have to pause until they can shoot it again. Wow. Uh, The other finale that just blew me away and my wife was with me on this we just sat there riveted was the final episode of the plot against america Mm -hmm. and one of the things i'm hearing about that is that zoe kazan who was in the big sick and has done a lot of good stuff Mm -hmm. They're talking uh, Emmy uh, nomination for her for this. Uh, And I don't know if that's going to put her up against Reese Seahorn, but both of those actresses just did. And and Zoe, she's just excellent in this, particularly in the finale. And again, the finale, I didn't read the book by Philip Roth. The finale uh, blew me away because it was so full of surprises, not what you expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, well, the good news is she's not, Zoe Kazan won't be competing against Ray Seahorn because the plot against not her a regular series. Good. So good. she'll be in her own category. And I agree, I do think she'll be nominated. Um, I thought she was, particularly in those last couple of tense episodes, she was mm-hmm. really the backbone of the show in a lot of ways. And the production of it was just uh, off the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that I would, I am highly recommending to everybody I know. And then, of course, there is, you know, it's uh, it's an alternate universe where uh, Lindbergh is elected president in 1940 instead of Franklin Roosevelt. And he keeps America out of the war with the Nazis, but discriminates against the Jews. And there's lots of social uprising. And there's a certain amount of uh, resonance with the uh, politics of today, which I don't want to go into, but it's just it's just one of those take your breath away things. Mm-hmm. Thanks to you, I have now signed up for the Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> so I can watch Mrs. America, and I just thought it's, I think it's fabulous I, that they uh, they sent down three episodes last week. Uh, uh, how many more are we going to get this week? From now on, it's just one at a time. So oh. I know. Uh, the one this week, though, is a good one. It's, uh-huh. if you've been able to tell from watching the first three, they sort of, they're structuring it around a particular figure, even though the whole yeah. episode is also yeah. about other things. And this one is around Betty Friedan, who mm. was played by Tracy Ullman, who is just fantastic as her. Um, the one last week on Shirley Chisholm was a wonderful um, uh, showcase and a reminder of that era of history. You know, the 70s, there was a lot going on in the yeah. 70s that we've forgotten. And unlike you, I was there. <laughs> I was there. I just wasn't really cognizant of a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> So I thank you uh, for that. So really, it's been been quite a week. Yeah. I w- want to ask you about you know I'm this you're sort of my uh, psychiatrist now on these sessions. I hope you don't mind. Oh, of course not. You know, I spent all of my life going to movie theaters, and I just love the movie experience. And as I have said this morning, I'm really transferring my affections to cable, but I can't quite wrap myself around the idea of watching a two-hour movie 
on cable. I just, I can't quite, something about that envelope doesn't work for me the way uh, the uh, episodic TV does. Mm -hmm. Uh, What should I do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you say on, I mean, do you mean just any, like any movie watching? You know, there are little movies coming down that you can stream, little independent movies. They're they're the kind of thing, you know, where you would have uh, slipped into the, to the Avalon at four in the afternoon to watch or maybe over to the landmark and uh, a little independent and you think ah you know that was nice but on cable they don't have the same appeal to me is it because you get distracted by things that are going on around your house maybe i don't know maybe maybe i here's what i would suggest if you have the the means to do it um Uh i would suggest this to anybody is get as big of a tv as you can (laughs) right Large of a TV as you can afford, and and decent speakers, and try to replicate to some degree, which you can't totally, but the 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 experience of being there, even if it's just like turning off the lights in your room, you know, whatever you can do to make it feel more like a movie theater. I know it's still not the same, but that maybe that'll make a difference. Are you finding anything uh, on streaming that uh, gives you the same? Uh... Uh, satisfaction uh, that I'm talking about that we used to get in the movie theaters. I guess I've never had that problem. You know, I I still enjoy going to the theater. Uh One of the reasons that I was just alluding to, which is it almost feels like going to church in a way, because once you get there, your focus has to be on the screen. Um, You're not supposed to be talking. And I think at home, it's hard to maintain that focus just because someone's always walking in the room or my dog is barking or whatever. Um, (laughs) That's that's the real difference maker for me. But I mean, some of the smaller theaters, to be honest, like the art house theaters that are small yeah, and updated, yeah. I would rather watch at home because if I'm, mm. I'm paying $15 for a ticket and the screen is like not that big and the audio is not that great and people around me are talking like I don't need that. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to work on that then. Okay. Thank you for that uh, for that uh, advice. Now I think it's time to pause for a word from our enabler, which who is Lou Katz and Hound Radio. Should we have your dog bark uh, on behalf of uh, well, Hound? Well, looks like he's taking a nap right now. <laughs> well, you know what they say about sleeping dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis? Thank you, Arch. We have a very special event going on today on Hound Radio. Here's what it's all about. Listen. Hi there. If you're not busy at home watching some of my classic movies, then you're probably listening to Hound Radio. Here's a fact. Today, they're turning two years old. That's 14 in dog years. And instead of accepting gifts, they'd love to have you participate in their very first Hound Radio thought. It's your chance to help raise money for the Capital Area Food Bank, who's busy feeding those here in the DMV who are in need during the coronavirus pandemic. Hound Radio's Lou Katz will be on all day with various VIPs in an effort to raise money for a very special cause. Get more details at houndradio.com. We know things are tight, but thank you in advance for your donation. Stay safe. Stay healthy and stay with Hound Radio. A one footnote I want to add before we get back to Arch and Jen. If you're listening to this podcast after April 23rd, you can still donate to the Capital Area Food Bank through our website, houndradio.com. 
Back to you, sir. So now it's time for our regular feature. <laughs> What's your favorite movie <laughs> starring Jen Cheney, who picks the subjects most weekends? And so this week's subject is, what's your favorite movie with a prom scene? Because people are missing their proms. Do you remember your prom, uh, Jen? I, very well, I do, yes. Yes, I do. I remember that um, for some reason we decided a bunch of us to take a luxury coach instead of like a limo. So it was like a van and the air conditioner was leaking on one of my friend's tuxedos and something went haywire with the way that the payment happened. So one of my friend's parents ended up suing the company. <laughs> <laughs> And like a year later, another friend and I had to go, we went into court with her just in case we needed to testify against this lovely <laughs> Other than that, it was a fine evening. <laughs> well, and that's generally the story of proms, isn't it? That they're not anything like you expect them to be. Right. So, uh, so you ask uh, for a movie with a prom scene, and I am, of course, going to go for the obvious. But the first one that really does come to mind is the original Carrie sure. from 1976. And I just, I, I want to defend that because um, not only is that outrageous scene where she's covered in pig blood, but also there's the element of revenge <laughs> which is what high school is all about. <laughs> and which is why I've gone to so many of my high school reunions to get revenge, which I never get. But at least uh, Carrie got her revenge. There was a terrible remake, Carrie, but the original one, uh, I thought that was fabulous. And that's the prom scene I thought of. How about you? Um, for me, the gold standard remains uh, Pretty in Pink. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Which, Love that. interestingly enough, uh, originally was supposed to end with um, Molly Ringwald's character ending up with Ducky, John Cryer's character. Mm -hmm. And then when they tested it, no one wanted that to happen. They wanted her to be with Andrew McCarthy. So they had to reshoot it, which is why, if you notice, Andrew McCarthy's hair doesn't look right. He's beautiful hair throughout the entire film. And at the prom, it's like, what happened to you? And it's because he was in a play and I believe he had to shave his head or do something extreme. And so they made a wig and it's a terrible wig. It is a terrible wig. It's the one part of the movie that I don't like. But other than that, it's a great prom scene. And a copy of one of my favorite books behind you, As If. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not, that's a poster from um, one of the events I did, which they kindly let me take. Oh, is there a prom scene in As If? In Clueless? No. There's like a, a Clueless, party, yeah. But they don't, yeah, they don't have a prom. I noticed uh, the other day um, Clueless was listed um, by uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, as one of the 10 most stylish movies ever. So yeah, the there costumes you go are on terrific. That. Yeah. So, okay, that's it for proms. Uh, I want to mention the obit this week for Craig Gilbert. Are you familiar with Craig Gilbert? Uh, only a little bit. Did you see that obit in the Post this week? Yeah. He was the creator of An American Family on PBS in 1973, which is now considered the uh, original reality show. Right. They spent uh, several months with the Loud family in Santa Barbara, California, and they made 12 one-hour episodes. And uh, their son, during the filming, the parents 
decide they're going to divorce and their son comes out, uh, Lance Loud is considered the first openly gay character in the history of reality TV and maybe in TV. I just, I wanted to mention that because number one, I remember when it came out and it just electrified the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, first there was a lot of praise for it. And then there was a lot of pushback. And, uh, and it is, you cannot film people going through their lives without impacting what they do. It's like dating. <laughs> you know, you're on your best behavior and then you get married and the real you comes out. <laughs> <laughs> But you can't. You cannot tell me that they weren't aware of the cameras. Sure. And the other thing I'm remembering is uh, in 1973 or maybe early 1974, Lance Loud. I was working as a reporter in Dallas, and Lance Loud came to a film festival. In fact, there was a film festival trying to get traction in Dallas, and so they showed all 12 episodes of an American family as part of the festival. So, you know, presaging, <laughs> setting up the world for binge viewing, the kind of stuff I do now. Anyway, Lance came and I interviewed him. And uh, at the time, my question to Lance was, um, is it the dream of every American boy to be on television? Hmm. And Lance said, it's my dream, my wet dream. <laughs> Unfortunately, because it was 1973, I couldn't run it on the air yeah. because I was in Dallas. So it was a little outtake that I would show to everybody I worked with. And uh, that's how far we've come. And, you know, and that's that was a pretty good comeback. I thought. <laughs> Lance Loud. So anyway, uh, Craig Gilbert uh, created An American Family, and he was a documentarian and came up with this idea. And the pushback was so violent that he went into seclusion for a time after the series aired, and he never really produced or directed another major TV project again. Imagine that. Wow. That's that's what the uh, obit said. So uh, he lived to be uh, 94. I want to defend my virtue, if you okay. don't mind. Okay. <laughs> Last week, we talked about um, Pelham 123. Mm -hmm. Pelham, I think Lou brought that. Yeah, I brought that up for the, uh, that was the, uh, what's your favorite train movie? Mm -hmm. Right. And I said, was Ed McMahon in that? which got a laugh as if I was, uh, you know, out of my mind. And I was thinking of a movie that came out in 1967 called The Incident, mm -hmm. where um, uh, Larry Pierce uh, directed it, the guy who did Goodbye Columbus. And it stars Martin Sheen and I think Brock Peters as a couple of guys who take uh, an entire subway car hostage. And Ed McMahon is one of the riders uh, in, the, in the subway car. And it was a straight uh, acting role for him. So the incident. Uh, but of course, the taking of Pelham 123 is, uh, 
a better remembered uh, film, but uh, that's what I was thinking of. Is Gene Hackman still around? Yeah. What's he done lately? Not He hasn't done anything in a while. Well, he must be. How old is Gene Hackman anyway? Part you got to ask Dr. Google on that one. <laughs> I hope you're, shall we uh, sing the Jeopardy song here? <laughs> I got the theme music running right now. Don't worry. Are you looking it up? I am. Gene Hackman age. Here you go. Wow. Gene Hackman was is 90 years old. He was born January 30th, 1930. Wow. That's just, that's hard to believe. Because I looked this up on, on uh, Google. Listen, Gene Hackman, 90 years old. Robert Duvall, 89. James Kahn, 80. Clint Eastwood, 89. Dustin Hoffman, 82. Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson, 83. It's the parade of seniors. Well, so Gene Hackman, I was just looking it up. He he's done a couple of voiceover things, but the the last movie he was in, if this is not wrong, was Welcome to Mooseport, which was two thousand four. So he hasn't huh. been in anything in a while. I mean, and I would say the last notable thing he did was Royal Tenenbaums. Wow, you know, because there was a time when, like every other week, Gene Hackman came out in a movie. He used to be, he was very prolific. I think it's that time in the podcast when we do our best bets for the weekend. What you got? I'm really a fan of Mrs. America on Hulu. And I really appreciate you, Jen, for putting me onto that. And then beyond that, I just want to recommend anybody who hasn't to uh, watch The Plot Against America on HBO. I think it's just a stellar piece of production and writing. It's David Simon, and uh, he just does wonderful stuff. And uh, my other, the thing I'm telling everybody to watch is... Uh, Ozark uh, season three, but uh, Mrs. America, I can't wait to see what they do this week. Yeah, well, I echo your recommendation for Mrs. America. I will also remind people that uh, The Last Dance, the ESPN Mm. documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, uh, two more episodes of that drop on Sunday. And so many people watched it over the weekend. It's I think it's the most highly watched ESPN docuseries that's ever existed. And I noticed when it was when the episodes were airing last Sunday night that almost every trending topic on Twitter was related to that docuseries. So and it's really well done. So I recommend that. This is technically a, a Monday recommendation, um, but there's a new series on Netflix called Never Have I Ever. Uh, it's co-created by Mindy Kaling, and it's based a little bit on her experience growing up. So it's a coming-of-age story. It's it's sort of like, what if Mindy Kaling made a Wonder Years? And interestingly enough, it has a narrator. The narrator is John McEnroe. Oh, and it's a fascinating choice. Um, and a lot of folks at Vulture really like that show. So I wanted to put that out there. And then lastly, this is not a, um, a viewing recommendation. It's a listening recommendation. I cannot strongly recommend enough the new Fiona Apple album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Mm-hmm. It's her first album in eight years. She tends to take a really long time between releases. And I think it's the best thing that she's done since her very first album came out back in the late 90s. Um, And what's fascinating about it, I I don't think she intended to necessarily release it during a pandemic, but a lot of the a lot of the songs happen to be about kind of trying to break free of, of constraints. And also a lot of the album was recorded in her own home. So there's something that feels very of the moment in addition to it just being a 
a great piece of, of work. So, um, and I've been listening to it nonstop. Wow. So I hope it's getting you through this unusual time and uh, all the best to you. Always love talking uh, movies and streaming and whatever else with you. And now let's pitch it back <laughs> to our enabler, the president <laughs> of Cats Podcasting. Uh, I want to throw in one recommendation for the weekend too. Yeah, good. Run on HBO. Oh! I've watched both of those. I absolutely love it. Short, yeah, I love it sweet, too. fun. Great. So I'm warming up. <laughs> it makes me want to ride a train. After the episode Sunday with that uh, that really handsome guy in the in the uh, bar car on the train, my wife, st- Wendy, still hasn't calmed down from that one. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up uh, right now with a song that was featured last weekend on the One World Home Together special that everybody hopefully had a chance to see. Uh, Here's the prayer sung by Celine Dion, Lady Gaga, John Legend, Andrea Bocelli, and of course on the keyboard, Lang Lang. We'll catch you next week. I pray you'll be our eyes And watch us where we go And help us to be one Times when we don't know Let this be your prayer When we lose our way Lead us to a place Guide us with your grace Give us faith so we
is the Cats Podcasting System.